What is going on, friends and fans? Happy New Year to all of you. We've got a great show straight ahead for you. I'm going to dig in deep on recommendation-based selling. It's all a part of the new book I've got coming out called Selling Forwards. We'll talk about that. Recommendation-based selling versus transactional selling versus old-school ways of selling. I think recommendation-based selling, friends, is where it's at. At the end of the show, we've got your listener questions. Brad from Reno, clients refusing to meet with the poor guy. We got some thoughts for you, Brad. Cindy from California, super fan. She's having some trouble just getting stuff done. I'm with you there, Cindy. And Angie from Alabama, what's the best way to divide up sales leads? Mike Olbert is going to dissect those. We've got digital ad strategy with uh, Charity Huff from January Spring and uh, so much more. It's all straight ahead. Stick around and stay close, friends. Here we go. From the Brainswell Media Studios, welcome to Ad Sales Nation with your host, Ryan Dorn. Each month, Ryan digs deep on the issues and challenges facing media salespeople like you every day. Ryan is a 28-year media veteran, an Emmy winner, a sales coach, and he still sells media every day just like you. Now, your host, your coach, your fellow media sales warrior, Ryan Dorn. All right, Deborah, thanks so much for that uh, great introduction. I need to let my mom listen to this one time, you know? <laughs> I think she's still like, Ryan Dorn, what do you do for a living? And uh, I sell the illusion of knowledge, mom. That's exactly what I do. Now, I'm just like all of you. I start the podcast. I'll always end the podcast with this statement. If sales was easy, everybody be doing it. And they're not. I used to say we're crazy. We kind of are a little crazy, but this is a great career, friends, uh, that we've all chosen. It'll feed your family for a lifetime. I truly mean that. I go where I want to go, typically. I drive what I want to drive, within reason. Eat where I want to eat, all because of the sales business. And, and I, I've been broke a few times. My brother and I were kind of laughing about this. He's also in the sales business. And um, and, and on a previous podcast, I had said, my brother Brandon, um, he, he said, uh, well, you mentioned that you didn't have a rich uncle to bail you out. And we actually do. And I said, oh, you're right. I guess we actually do have a rich uncle that could have bailed me out. But I've been broke maybe three times, maybe four. And sales is what's got me out of that hole, working hard, using my sales skills to get out of the hole. But things are different now, right? You know, when I thought about writing uh, my new book, it's coming out here in a couple of weeks called uh, Selling Forward. My first book was Selling Backwards. And I wrote that coming out of the Great Recession. You remember that coming out of the Great Recession, 06, 07, 08. And that's when that book came out, Selling Backwards, like doing things different, doing it kind of in a backwards way. Well, now I'm talking about selling forward, like in this pandemic and beyond. I actually went through and writing the book and had to rewrite it because it was all about, I called it, quote, post-pandemic sales strategies. And then I'm like, yeah, we got to rewrite that. I was talking to uh, to Carol, my editor, like, we got to rewrite that because COVID's not over. I think we got COVID season that might be coming around every year. I don't know why I laughed. Um, I had real COVID. Some of you, I had COVID a few weeks ago. I had the real COVID. Um, it was bad. And some of you are getting it now and it's equally as bad. So don't misunderstand. But I had to really rewrite the book because I'm now calling it pandemic fatigued sales. And we're dealing with buyers that are emotionally challenged, that are inbox dazed, they're virtual meeting bored, that are just flat out just not tolerant of a whole lot. And that's why my model of recommendation based selling seems to really be resonating for a lot of people. Now, let's talk about that because I think if you move to this model, no matter what you sell, now I do a lot of advertising sales, as you know, uh, technology sales, event sales, sponsorships, whatever you're selling, I think you're going to find, though, that recommendation-based selling is where it's at. Now, there's kind of three types of selling. You've got transactional selling, 
And that really is where you're selling sort of onesie, twosie kind of things, where you're calling somebody that can make a decision moderately quickly. And I call that transactional-based selling. Then you've got sort of old-school sales. Old-school sales is you go out on a sales call, uh, you do a discovery meeting, you discover needs, goals, desires, you go back to the office to create a proposal, then you get a hold of the client, you schedule a time to review the proposal with them or present it, then they've got to take that to their boss or whatever, um, or they've got to make a decision on it, they're going to think about it. And then you're going to go back and you're going to play the um, I, I'm not responding to your email. I'm not responding to your voicemail ghosting game. That's kind of the old school way of doing it. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying a lot of that is built on relationships. It just takes a long time. What I'm doing now, though, is what I like to call recommendation based selling. And it's got some similar flavors, if you will, to transactional selling, meaning we're trying to speed up the, the process. So let me give you the process kind of in a nutshell and then I'll kind of expand on it a little bit and then we'll get to your listener questions and then uh, and we'll have some other things that we're going to we're going to talk about on the show. All right. Recommendation based selling. The basis of recommendation based selling is going to a client and saying, we've worked with somebody like you before. We know what works. We know what doesn't work. Let's use that knowledge to make some recommendations to you. Weave in what you're trying to do, your goals, your needs, desires, but we fundamentally have a foundation to start from, so we're not starting from scratch. And there's reality to doing this. We know what it's going to cost. You don't need to test with us. We know we know how to do this, so trust us. Let's paint you a picture of potential. Let's get it to fit your budget, and let's get going on this and make it work. What I'm noticing with recommendation, and I'm going to give you some examples. What I've noticed with recommendation-based selling, it's just faster. Also, because we're dealing with people that are pandemic-fatigued, um, it doesn't require as much thought. Um, it doesn't require a ton of logic. It's it's moderately emotional. And it just really makes sense to people. So Monotate, um, you can Google this. Monotate came out with a study that 70 some odd percent of people, they make decisions based on recommendations. And universally, when you look at the most trusted form of advertising, okay, out there, Nielsen tracks it, Pointer Institute tracks it. The most, the most recommended form of selling is recommendation-based. The most trusted form of selling is recommendation-based selling. So what that means is more than likely people are going to buy things more quickly if you move to a recommendation-based format. Okay, now, so let's back up one step even further than that. Okay, how do you propose something to somebody, a client, if you don't know their needs, their goals, and their wants? Well, you're going to figure that out. But when you're meeting with somebody, it is highly likely you've had a customer like them before. So by nature of being a human, you don't trust other humans. Most people just don't. We enter a conversation. We enter a relationship, if you will, sort of not trusting somebody. It's, it's kind of our base. And when you talk about pandemic fatigued selling, the trust factor really drops low. It's like, oh, gosh, who are you? Um, do you have COVID? Um, or what are you bringing to my office? Hey, I'm tired. We're understaffed. Um, we're not making the money we used to make. You know, people are, you know, not finding the jobs they want to find or whatever. So what I like about recommendation-based selling is sort of the old school model is in the old school model, you're really not recommending things as much. You're really building things in more of a custom framework and more of a, a custom format. Like, what are your needs? What are your goals? What are your desires? Let me build you something. And that's fine, 
But what I find is it just takes a long time. Whereas when I'm meeting with somebody, discovering their needs, their goals, and their desires, and I'm recommending things based on other successes that we've had with other customers, there's a higher level of trust. And because there's a higher level of trust, because others have gone before you, that higher level of trust tends to drive the decisions faster. Now, I recognize some of you that listen to the podcast aren't in the business that I'm in of advertising sales and tech sales. So real estate's going to be different. Um, you know, insurance is going to be different. But let's just say you're doing insurance. Just as an example, play along with me for a second. If I can say to John Smith, well, Susie, Susie Smith did this insurance plan with me. She's been very happy with this plan. It's worked for her family, her cousin, her mom, whatever. It makes the next person feel more comfortable because the trust factor is dramatically increased. So it makes it easier to sell her and tweak it for her, but it makes it easier for her to buy it. Remember, most people don't mind buying things. They just hate being sold. So if you think through this, let's go back to my world of media. All right. Let's just say as an example, you are meeting with a jeweler, for an example, and the jeweler says to you, oh, you know, I don't know exactly what I need to do. And I'm trying to get this all figured out. And you're like, "Okay, hey, so we've worked with jewelers before. And this is what we've learned. Most jewelers do these three or four things with us and they get good results, you know, from it. So let's build from there and, and use what we've learned so that you don't need to do a test with us. You can build this relationship quickly because it comes with trust that another business owner like them has already done something with you and it's worked out. Same thing with selling software. If I was selling a CRM product to somebody, I'd be able to say, hey, do you know so-and-so? Do you know so-and-so? Do you know so-and-so? I do. Okay, they all use our system and they're really happy with it. And so let's learn what, let's use what we learned from them to make sure that this setup is going to work for you. As a matter of fact, we can copy this, we can duplicate this, and the time to life of that project of getting the sale done is just faster. Recommendation-based selling is built on trust. It's built on getting things done more quickly. And what I don't have any empirical data that doing custom solutions actually makes you more money. What I do have empirical data on is customized solutions typically increase the level of touch you need to have on the project. Customer service has to go up. You need more support people to go up because customization just takes more time, time, effort, and energy. Now, can you make more money with customized advertising proposals? I mean, perhaps, yes, you can, but it depends on how you present it. See, what I like to do, as you know, if you've listened to the podcast, is I approach everything with three price points. Now in the media business, I've got a basic presence model, I've got a competitive model, and I've got a dominant model. Okay, those are the three layers or the three levels of, of financial commitment. You could do the same thing with maybe what you're selling if you're not in the media business. Now, why do I keep saying that? By the way, all the ad folks out there are like, why do you keep mentioning other people? We do like seven, 8,000 downloads a month. And what's interesting is about 30% of those downloads have nothing to do with our primary business. And what's amazing about that is there's people out there beyond media, beyond advertising that are benefiting friends from all the cool things we're learning in the media business. Hey, join us in the media business. I mean, it is an amazing industry that has fed my family and kept me really energized for many, many years. So what's the rub on all this? Well, there's kind of two types of salespeople out there. There's hunters and there's farmers, right? Are you a hunter? Do you like to go out and kind of get the kill and 
and bring the stuff back to the office and drop it off? Or are you a farmer? You'd like to nurture things. Well, by nature, recommendation-based selling is a little foreign to the farmer. And it's a little foreign because farmers like to really take their time and really nurture things and really build relationships. But here's the thing I've noticed during COVID and I've noticed as we move, if you will, into more of a post-pandemic situation is that when I'm dealing with pandemic-fatigued individuals, I'm noticing they're super emotional. They're not making decisions based on logic. They're making a lot of decisions on how they feel about something. Recommending products, using people that have come before as a basis for a level of trust, plays into that emotional model. And when I can play into that emotional model, I'll almost always do better with recommendation-based selling. So now if you're a hunter... It's sort of like recommendation-based selling is where it's at. It's fast and you kind of like it. It's those of you out there that feel like you have to really have a relationship with somebody before you can sell them something. Now, I love that. Now, I'm you know I'm going to be 50 this year. Rock on. I'm going to be 50 this year, um, which is cool. But I've been doing this long enough to remember when people would actually call us to place ads. They'd call us for more information. And now we learn from companies like Spark IQ, Sparks IQ, that... 40% of buyers will have already made a decision about what they're going to choose before they ever contact us. So we're not the sole resource for information. So we've got to come to the conversation with recommendations ready to go. Now, in the media business, we are media advisors. And it's cool. It's like in the name, media advisor. We're in sales, but we're media advisors. We're advising businesses on, on what they should do to be successful in marketing their company. Let me give you a B2B example, and then we're going to move on with the podcast, like in the B2B world. Let's say that I'm dealing in the world of aviation, where I kind of enjoy and, and find some fun. So if I'm talking to a company that builds avionic products for the insides of planes, if I've already been dealing with avionics people um, in the past, I can go to a new client and say, look at the things that we've learned in working with other avionics companies. This allows us to use what we learned to build better programs for you. Now, tell me what you need, what you want, what your goals are. Okay, cool. We've got all those. Now, let's marry that to what we've learned in the past, and let me give you recommendations right now on what we feel you should do to be a raging success with us. It just speeds the process up because I don't have to go back to the office to create a proposal. I've come with ideas ready to go. I've come with recommendations ready to go. And when I do that, I always get further faster. Now, as we listen to the podcast this year, as I come to your office or your sales meetings and we're talking about this, I want to dig in deep on recommendation-based selling because if 70% of people make purchases based upon recommendations from friends, peers, etc., why would we not want to follow that model? Let's just say that 70% is like, way bonkers, Ryan, you're bananas. That will never work. Well, let's say it works 35% of the time, <laughs> right? So let me give you an example of my uh, brother, Brandon, who works at a great, amazing company out of Grand Rapids, Michigan uh, called Exhibits. If Brandon is able to go to one of his new clients and say, hey, so what do you guys need? Okay, cool. I like that. You know, we did that for this company. We've done something similar for this company here. Let's use what we learned on those jobs to make your job more efficient. I can save you money. I can do a great job for you. You don't have to test us out. Recommendation-based selling. Truly, friends, that's where it's at. It's almost always 
going to get further, get you further faster. Never forget, friends, if you're going to keep alive in this business and you're really going to be vibrant in this business, guess what you got to do? You got to grow. And part of growing is learning, trying and testing things. But here's my promise to you. I will never, ever ask you to do something that I'm not currently doing out there in sales land. And what I've done is I've shifted from old school sales and relationship-based selling to recommendation-based selling. And what I'm learning is I can build relationships faster under the recommendation model. I'm talking about all this in my new book. The new book is called Selling Forward. Um, it's going to be out here in a couple weeks on Amazon, etc. I encourage you to buy it because we're going to be talking about it all year right here on the podcast. Friends, never forget, if sales was easy, everybody be doing it. And they're not. We're not crazy. We're the chosen few. And we found a career that'll feed our families for a lifetime. All right, we've got listener questions that are going to be uh, coming up next. We've got great questions from uh, Brad in Reno. Um, his clients are flat out refusing to meet with him. We've got some answers from Mike Obert for that. Cindy from California, seasoned sales pro, still not able to get everything done in any given day. I'm with you on that one, Cindy. Cindy's one of our super fans out there. We like Cindy a lot. And then Angie from Alabama, what's the best way to divide up sales leads? As a sales manager, Mike and I have both been sales managers. So we've got some thoughts uh, for Angie as well. And then we've got some thoughts from Charity Huff on our digital ad strategy from January spring. Hey, friends, I'd be a pretty terrible sales coach if I didn't have some sponsors of the show. So would you do me a favor? And for the next 45 seconds, pay attention to these commercial sponsors. They're going to help keep this podcast free and coming your way. Stick around. Stay close. We'll be back in 45 seconds. The Ad Sales Nation podcast with Ryan Dorn is brought to you in part by the strategy and design team at Web Publisher Pro. When it's time for your media company to have a top-notch website that is designed for optimal revenue potential, turn to David and the creative team at Web Publisher Pro. Learn more online at webpublisherpro.com. Thank you to the team over at OpenLook Business Solutions. Outsource sales tasks, data cleanup, telemarketing, design tasks, or hire a virtual assistant. Reach out to Mike at open-look.com. That's open-look.com. Thank you to the fine folks at January Spring. If you are looking to grow revenue by offering white-label digital services like SEO, social media, or programmatic ads, reach out to Charity over at JanuarySpring.com. Charity loves to strategize about growing revenue. You sell it and January Spring fulfills it. Learn more online at JanuarySpring.com. Okay, now back to the show. Here's your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends and fans, it's that time of the show where we dial in Charity Huff from January Spring out in Denver and talk some digital ad sales strategy. So happy new year to you, Charity. How are you? Happy new year. I am doing well. I am bullish on 2022. See you so long, 2021. Let's do it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I wanted to chat with you about some sales strategies because one of the things I'm hearing from some reps is when they talk about programmatic, their advertisers get really excited. And then all of a sudden the advertisers don't want to talk about their other media options. They, they're like, hey, let's just talk programmatic. And I know that um, you want people to sell programmatic and we want them to have good luck with it. But we also want them to focus on other media products as well. So what are you kind of talking to the reps out in the street about as it relates to that? Yeah, we want our reps selling print their own digital and using us for their offsite digital, all that programmatic. 
And we, we start there from the very beginning and reassure the reps that these are different budgets in the, the minds of a lot of advertisers. They have their siloed budgets. This is what I'm going to do in print. This is what I'm going to do in direct mail. This is what I'm going to do with digital. So don't be afraid to wade into the conversation. And if you start from the position of we have a relationship with the audience that's most important to you in our magazine and then build from there, you don't end up having them trade money and you keep them excited about your audience, your offering. So when we do that, we actually say, you can reach our audience in print, you can reach our audience with our own digital, and you can actually reach our audience with programmatic. We do that with a a pixel on your publisher website. And then we can reach people that look like your ideal customer with all of this offsite programmatic. And when you position it that way, you get the advertiser excited about the whole program, not just one shiny new thing. Yeah, it makes sense. One of the things that I work with reps on is getting a little old school, like maybe taking a piece of paper, drawing a triangle on the piece of paper, putting audience in the middle, like your audience, your perfect customer, put that in the middle. And then maybe on one side of the triangle, you put print or whatever, you know, you sell your primary media events, whatever put programmatic on one side and then put another digital, other digital um, on the, on the bottom of it. Exactly. I feel like sometimes, tell me your thoughts. I feel like sometimes advertisers, business owners confuse or marketing directors confuse when you say digital, they try to lump everything into one bucket. Are you observing that? Because we know it's so many different pieces. For sure. And that's why we always help with, let's tease that out a bit more. When you say, hey, I want to come in and speak to you about our digital, you'll get shut down right away because they're like, oh, I'm already doing that. Right. Right? And so you need to come in and say more specifically, I want to come in and speak to you about um, geofencing, event targeting. I want to talk to you about our digital audience, right? And disqualify it so that you don't get shut down before you've even had a chance to explain what it is you want to talk to them about. Right. And I also think it's important for you to, for reps out there that are listening to align what their objectives are to the media that's really perfect for that objective. So um, I think we can look at it from several different ways. For example, if someone is looking for brand maintenance, just maintaining their brand, well, mm-hmm. then print is really good for that. If they're looking for lead gen, and not the programmatic's not, I'm not saying that, but when you're looking at lead gen, okay, typically programmatic works really great for lead gen because we're reaching them, you know, all over the place. If they're looking for levels of engagement, then maybe they use their social enterprises for it. So I would just encourage rep to reps to take a piece of paper, or you're going to like this, and we're told you this. In my slide decks, I always leave a white slide. It's just plain white. And I know where it's at in my slide deck so that if I'm doing Zoom or whatever, I can go to that slide, grab my virtual pen, and I can draw stuff. Because what I notice is even those that are so totally dazed out, when I start drawing on the screen, boom, they come right back to the meeting. And yeah. in person, I have a piece of paper it. and I draw on it. So that works, you know, good as well. Now, I think programmatic works at all phases. Um re-engagement, lead gen, you know, branding. But in your opinion, as someone that's been doing this a while, um, no offense intended, by the way, um, what do you think programmatic is best for in terms of all those different places in the funnel? Yeah, I 
think that programmatic works really well for brand awareness, reach frequency, just like you would with print, because it's the it's the yin to the yang, right? Like yeah. I'm seeing it in digital, I'm seeing it in print. It works really well in that um, consideration phase. So I'm researching, I'm trying to decide who it is I'm going to go buy from because you're staying top of mind. And then it certainly can be more of a direct response because you're in, um, enlisting clicks or even better, you've got that foot traffic conversion that we always track of who saw the ad and then came into your location. So you're right. It, it kind of is one of those, depending on the message that you're using, that it can play in different um, pieces of the funnel. That's awesome. That's great. Hey friends, we're going to be, Charity's going to be one of our speakers at the Niche Conference and we're doing a special workshop. It's April 6th through 8th, by the way, um, nichemediaevents.com. And we've got a workshop um, called Dissecting Digital, where if this all doesn't make a lot of sense to you, Charity's going to be there. Eric Shanfelt, Shanfelt's going to be there. Um, different clients of yours, Charity. It's yeah. going to be sort of a pick your brain, if you will, session, dissecting all these digital components to figure out what's the best way to launch them, uh, monetize them, you know, and, and sell them. So um, I'm excited about the event in April, um, Charity, and that you're going to you're going to be there as well. It's a great opportunity, isn't it, for you to connect with clients, meet new people, stuff like that. Love it. Love to get to see old friends, see existing clients. And then we always make new connections at the Niche Conference every time. Now, that's great. Well, um, don't forget, friends, 200 bucks off right now. NicheMediaEvents.com. We'll see Charity there. And um, Charity, what's the best way for people to reach out to you? I know you love to strategize about all this. Stuff. I do. I do. Uh, please ping us off of our website, JanuarySpring.com. That's awesome. Well, Happy New Year to you, uh, to your entire team. And I'm like, yeah, I'm looking forward to a good things in 2022. Yes, yes. It'll be great to see you this spring. So take care. All right, friends and fans, it is that time of the podcast every month where we answer your listener questions sent into Ryan at RyanDorn.com, D-O-H-R-N, in case you can't spell, <laughs> D-O-H-R-N. You know, Mike, Mike uh, Obert is here from Open Look Business Solutions. And uh, Mike, I always had to spell my name, uh, you know, growing up, but I imagine Obert, I mean, it's pretty straightforward did you have to like spell oh. your name or not really or? oh absolutely <laughs> oh b as in boy e-r-t i yeah. get a lot of the overt <laughs> yeah it's funny um that uh, this has nothing to do with answering questions by the way just funny my my sons as we check into hotels etc have heard me do this so often that i had this moment of sort of like parently pride where um we were doing something and my son said uh, it's a uh, it's you know ethan dorn d-o-h-r-n and i was like ah there he goes you know he's he's listening you know he knows how to do it so oh, that's great anyway that had nothing to do with sales friends sorry all right so we've got three great questions here uh we've got uh, brad from uh from reno cindy from uh, california and uh, angie from alabama three good questions uh here mike from from folks so let's kick let's things go. off with brad from uh, reno nevada uh, my clients are flat out refusing to meet they will answer an email which that's good right <laughs> but they just will not meet your thoughts and advice are uh, appreciated. You want to take a stab at this one, Mike? Or you want me to go first? Yeah, uh, I'll go first on this one. Um, I would say to Brad from Reno that, I mean, it's an uncomfortable time right now that uh, mm -hmm. I think you almost have to respect if somebody doesn't want to meet in person that you have to respect that. But there's other methods to doing that, which Zoom, Skype, those type of things, you can meet with people face to face. Um, I'm always telling all of my salespeople, like if you are doing a sales call, turn on your camera. Like right. even if the customer's not turning on their camera, 
you turn on your camera to make it more of a visual, more of a personal connection. Um, so, I mean, I, I would go, I would tell Brad that, Hey, you, you just need to respect that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now Brad, one of the things you might consider is one of the reasons you may not get be getting meetings is you're asking for 60 minute meetings and nobody's got 60 minutes to give in a pandemic fatigued business uh, environment. So that could be one thing too. I'm a big fan, Mike, of um, saying to folks, hey, could we just chat for, say, like 10 minutes, a quick chat, like the subject line will be quick chat. And hey, can we just chat for 10 minutes or, you know, whatever that circumstance is, try to keep it seeming like you don't need much time because think about it, Mike. I mean, if people ask you like Mike for 60 minutes. I mean, I'm like your I'm like your pal and I can't hardly get 60 minutes. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> I'm yeah, kidding, by the way. I probably would not take so, a 60 minute meeting. Yeah, so yes. I'm wondering if maybe, Brad, one of the things is maybe you're asking for big, long meetings. That could be uh, it as well to try to, to shorten uh, that up. But here's yeah. the other thing, Mike. You've, Mike. Mike has been to my training classes. You've heard me say this for years, Mike. I promise not to waste your time. And yeah. I wonder, you know, how, do, how does that resonate with you, Mike, when I say, hey, can we just get together for 10 minutes? I promise not to waste your time. What do you kind of hear in your head? How does that resonate with you as a business owner? That I'm going to, it's going to be good. It's going to be quick. It's going to be to the point. And you're going to deliver some information that's going to be key for me. Yeah. And it better be, right? So I yeah. just met with a guy named Steve, had a great um, a sales call with him, I guess, yesterday morning. And um, his big feedback to me was, hey, you promised not to waste my time. You told me it'd be 30 minutes. Um, and, I, and, and I said, well, we, it might even be 20 minutes. But if you need an hour, I'll give you an hour. I'll cancel my next call. So it's not yeah. that 20 minutes can't lead to 30, can't lead to 60. You yeah. know, so. All right. Any right. final thoughts for Brad from Reno? I think that's that's a pretty good advice. Uh, no, I think that's pretty Brad. good. I, I'm, I okay. guess one other thing is like you might be able to drop something off. If, if, mm -hmm. Hey, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to meet, but Hey, I, I've got something I want to drop off for you. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, a product or right. a magazine or something right. to give them. Yep. That could be some, some other way to get in if you really need to talk to somebody. Right. Oh, I just thought of one more thing, Mike. Um, sometimes I will say to folks, if you'll allow me to meet with you, I can normally save you more money because it gives us a chance to really look through and really dissect this and take, add this on or take this off. So I had forgot about that. We could potentially say something like that as well, oh, uh, which good. might be helpful. So, yeah. All right, good. cool. Good job, Brad from Reno. All right, uh, Cindy from California. Now, stick with me on this one, friends. It's I need to read it because um, to all of you and to Mike as well. It's a little bit long, but um, Cindy is a longtime fan of the of the program. Um, so she says, even though I'm a seasoned salesperson, there is an area that I greatly struggle in. I do fantastically with speaking to people about their plans, their marketing plans. She's in the ad business. We have great conversations and now it's time for me to send the proposal. I end up stalling on the proposal because I know it's going to take me a long time to put it together and tailor it for their needs, PowerPoint images, you know, all that kind of stuff. So she's tried templates. It didn't work because she always spent too much time tinkering on the templates um, and she knows it's going to happen. So what she does is she just puts it off. So she says, hey, guys, any help you can give me on this, you know, would be uh, greatly uh, appreciated. So, uh, Mike, you want to kick that one off uh, as well? Oh, I'll kick it off. Okay. Uh, I directly go to you need an assistant. You need somebody <laughs> that's going to be doing something, uh, yeah. doing this, putting this together for you, like do what you do best. And it sounds like she's great at, you know, talking to people and covering what their needs are. But then, you know, what really bogs you down is putting it all together. So find that person out there that can put that together for you. 
so that you're doing more meetings and you're not doing that time doing your presentations. Right on. And now it could be. And so I know Cindy. Um, and so maybe the company might say, hey, we're not going to pay for it. And I'm just saying to you this. There's a lot of things I pay for that the company doesn't pay for to really help me out. Like, for example, Mixmax. The companies I work with don't pay for Mixmax. They don't pay for any of my technology. They don't pay for my virtual assistant um, that um, I have through through Mike, through OpenLook, right? Um, you know, I'm paying for that kind of stuff on my own to get things done. So you may have to do to do that. But Mike, let me throw this to you and throw this to Cindy and get your thoughts. Cindy, I believe that there may be a mind shift that you need to make because I don't customize anything anymore. I'm over it. I'm done. And the reason is because I don't have any empirical data that tells me that customization makes me more money. Here's the thing though, Mike, <laughs> people say this all the time. Oh, we customize everything. We customize this. We customize that. The clients love it. Well, of course they love it because you're bending over backwards to paint a wall a certain color and it doesn't matter in the end what color it is. So, Cindy, I'm kind of wondering if maybe you might need to have a mind shift to realize, hey, I actually don't need to customize everything. So if you're sitting there saying, well, I absolutely need to. Well, I don't know. I sell a lot of media, digital prints, podcasts. You know, I don't customize hardly anything. And if I do, I make it really easy. So, Cindy, there might just be a little bit of a mind shift there, you know, as well. Yeah. Um, I don't and know, Mike. Is, what do you, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, this is Cindy with an I. Cindy with an I. <laughs> I would, um, uh, the same thing as you're talking to simplify your product offering. Um, mm -hmm. your, your product offering might be too confusing even to yourself. So I'm actually mm -hmm. going through the same thing right now, Ryan, of like, I need to just simplify my pro product offerings. Mm -hmm. I need to say, here's three things that I sell. That's what they are. Yep. And I can sell a lot more of those. Um, than if I do customize everything, like you said. Right, right. So for example, my public speaking. Um, so I had an I'm going to have an opportunity to speak to a really large association, uh, you know, this fall. And they said, hey, we want you to customize this, customize the presentation, customize that. And I said, well, happy to do that. But that's going to be four hours to do it. And so it's more expensive if I do it that way. Or I can just customize what I say, not what you're seeing on the screen. There's no additional charge for that. Oh, okay. You know, it's, you know, it's great. Um, you know, so I think simplifying the product offerings could help. And then if you potentially, as Mike said, but Cindy, if you can't do all of that, if templates aren't working, if an assistant doesn't help, if you can't get more time, one thing you might want to consider is there's a time of day when you're at your best. You need to block off that time of day to do that task. Like, for example, I'm not going to do that task at eight o'clock in the morning. I need like three cups of coffee and maybe past lunchtime before I get rocking, you know? And you do that at a time that's good for you. You might be doing it at the wrong time. And that's what's causing a lot of delays. But Cindy, right. we can both Mike and I can appreciate what you're saying because, you know, we have those kind of issues that pop up, you know, as well. So cool. Good thoughts. Yep. All right. Um, last but definitely not least. How about Angie from Alabama? I thought you might say Alabama. <laughs> Alabama. Alabama. What's the uh, Angie ask? What is the best way to divide up leads as a sales manager? If you see a salesperson hasn't really moved the needle, at what point do you switch things around? So a uh, little sales management question. That's a good one, Angie. Um, Mike, you know, you've taken the stab at all of them first so far. So why don't you start out on this one as well? <laughs> okay. Uh, so what I've done in the past, which I think has really, really worked, um, is I had my reps bring accounts to trade. 
So every quarter they would have five accounts. Uh, we, we would classify those accounts, meaning they're not just going to bring complete trash to the table, right, but right. things that might be able to be closed by somebody else and have them trade accounts. Right. Um, and I think that was the, uh, the reps uh, appreciated that, that they had um, insight on people that they didn't think that they were connecting with or, or could close um, and then getting you know, fresh, fresh blood that they can go after. Yep. I like to do it um, the way the NFL does it. I mean, the the rep that's doing the worst, like the team that's doing the worst, gets to pick first. Get everybody together for lunch, um, have some pizza, salad, or it's even more fun doing the draft. I call it doing the draft. That's what I call it. Uh, it's more fun doing it after five, you know, and if it's appropriate, uh, maybe have some cocktails or something. Make it fun. So everybody put 10 accounts on 10 index cards, stick them up on a whiteboard or something, and do it like the NFL draft. Make it kind of fun, you know, for everybody. That's one thing that I would do. But Angie, the other thing is I don't necessarily, if, if somebody's not at goal, if they're not at budget, I usually don't give them a bunch of new leads. I mean, I usually don't. It's usually a reward for those that are really just doing well. Or you could say it doesn't have to be total sales. It could be most improved from last week is going to get the leads this week as an example or something along that lines. I think what may be happening to Angie is maybe that people are calling foul, like maybe there's some favoritism being played or, you know, or something like that. But hey, Mike, what about this? What if Angie gives leads to people and they're just like not able to do anything with them or not do anything with them? I well, that, guess <laughs> that might be a rep problem. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I'm yeah. Maybe that's you need to get rid of somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and she did ask too about divide. How do you, if you get a bunch of new leads, uh, how do you divide up those leads? Um, and whether it's geographic, um, or if it's by industry, um, you know, those are also uh, good ways of, if you have reps that are better within one industry, um, you know, the, it's probably good to trade that way or give them those leads. Right. Yeah. Um, sometimes if you have two reps, you could do odd eight, odd days, even days. If you had two reps, if you had three reps, you could do kind of a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday kind of thing. You could do it based on upon days. As Mike said, categories, or you could use it as an incentive like, hey, this week, whoever at the end of the week has all their notes updated in the CRM um, is going to get the leads for next week that come in next week or, or, or something you know, along those lines. Right. Um, the other thing that I've considered is doing basically matching, matching people up based upon professional experience. So if it's a tech company, as an example, then that's going to go to the rep that's got experience in tech. If it's real estate, it's going to go to the person that has experience in real estate. If it's somebody that's really great in retail, as an example, they're going to get the retail leads, even though that may not be their quote unquote territory or category where they have experience because we want to have our best chance of, you know, closing those uh, deals. So, Angie, I think there's, um, you know, a hundred different ways to slice the, you know, to cut up the onion here, slice the onion or whatever you want to say. Um, you know, uh, on it. So I think it's, it's great uh, to any other thoughts for Angie. That's pretty good. I like it. No, I, I think that was good. That's good great. advice. So um, you guys are getting a lot of different things done um, at open. Look, you've got virtual assistants. You're helping me with um, if you guys think that I do all the social media updates. No, that is all done by, by Mike's team, <laughs> by uh, Queenie and Crystal and everybody on, on Mike's team. So what are you doing the most of um, for people in the media business and for others? There seems to be a lot of social media management that we've been doing, digital marketing. Uh, okay. So, you know, putting content up, uh, executing plans, uh, you know, things that people get bogged down by. Right. Uh, so we're doing a lot of that production type stuff. That's great. Um, your team does the video work uh, as well for me. 
we so do a lot of yeah, a lot of uh, video work. Video as well. expertise as well. So reach out Mike at open look dot com. So Mike at open look dot com and and uh, Mike loves to strategize about all things related to helping you make money. And of course, the Cowboys will always talk to you about the Dallas Cowboys uh, as well. <laughs> Let's right? go. Let's go. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Mike. Well, good luck in 2022. I'm looking forward to a good 20, uh, 2022. Do you think the outlook is, is bright for 2022? We are ecstatic about 2022. Good, good. Yes, I think we're going to grow a lot. So Good. Yeah. I am as well. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in uh, Washington, D.C., April 6th uh, through 8th. Um, in uh, DC. And if you haven't heard about that, friends, head over to a niche, nichemediaevents.com. Uh, Mike is uh, one of our premier title sponsors there. And we're gathering hey, together. Mike, hey, give me a testimonial. How much fun, how much fun is say, it? Not just as a sponsor, but just as a publisher as well of right. going to learn and network and find out what's working within the industry. Um, man, I've learned a ton from going to that show. And I'm sorry, Ryan, not just from you, but just from everybody that attends that show. And man, it is a ton of fun. It's fun from the the second you wake up and going to roundtables in the morning all the way to the events at night and staying with the people that are at the show and just networking and learning more about what's going on in the publishing industry. I can't recommend that show enough. Awesome. That's great. That's great. Hey, somebody edit that down and put it online for me, would you? That's great. Yeah. Mike, I appreciate that uh, glowing endorsement. Yeah, April 6th through 8th in Washington, D.C. Um, it's going to be COVID safe. The place will handle like 350, and we're only taking 250 to keep it nice and safe and spaced out. And and uh, we'll have just a great time and a con- bunch of great content as well. So should be awesome. a blast in uh, D.C., Mike. Look forward to seeing Can't you. Can't wait to see you, man. Can't wait to see you. All right, buddy. Good luck in 2022. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Ryan. All right, friends, that is our podcast for this month. We sure appreciate you sticking around with us. So on behalf of the cast and crew here at Brainswell Media, uh, thanks so much for tuning in each and every month. We sure appreciate all of our sponsors as well. Hey, if you want to join us at the Niche Media Conference, April 6th through 8th in D.C., use the promo code PODCAST, okay, in all capital letters, and that'll save you another 50 bucks off the registration fee, promo code PODCAST. And like I said earlier, my new book, Selling Forward, it's going to be out on Amazon, but we'll give you some uh, discount codes if you sign up for my newsletter over at 360adsales.com. So get over to 360, 360adsales.com. Hey, I'm back in the road. Love to come and uh, speak at your sales conference and things like that. Reach out to me. 360adsales.com or of course always at ryandorn.com don't forget friends if ad sales was easy everybody would be doing it and they're not we're not crazy friends we found careers that will feed our families for a lifetime God bless and we'll see you next month